by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to N17 Women, the only podcast totally focused on Tottenham Hotspur women. I'm Caroline, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by our full podcast squad. So first up, we have Rachel from Spurs Women Blog. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. I had a long day at work, but it's nice to talk about something more fun. All kind of fun. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Uh, We also have Sean uh, from Proud Lily White. How's it going, Sean? Yes, not too bad, thank you. You Another week, another Champions League game coming up, so lots of football still to come. Yep. (laughs) And this week we also have Abby back. Uh, She's from Cartilage Free Captain. How's it going, Abby? Uh, It's going just about as well as things are going for Spurs right now, Um, which is to say mixed bag, mostly just really busy. (laughs) All right. Well, I wish we could be gathering under happier circumstances, but unfortunately we have to discuss a disappointing 3-0 home loss to Manchester City. So let's just start off with talking about the lineup. We saw a couple of changes to the starting lineup from the Liverpool game with Becky Spencer returning to goal. And Ellie Brazil came in for Nikola Karczewska. And we lined up in sort of a 4-2-3-1 that sometimes shifted to a 4-4-2. But we had our back line of Azmita Ale, Shalina Zadorsky, Molly Bartrip, and Amy Turner. They were ahead of Becky Spencer. And a defensive midfield of Engrad James and Evelina Simonin. And an attacking line of Ashley Neville, Drew Spence, and Celine Bazette, with Brazil just in front of them in that striker role. And this was actually Ash Neville's 50th WSL appearance. So we'd like to congratulate Ash on such an important milestone in her Tottenham career. I just wish we could have celebrated it with a win. (laughs) We have to celebrate before we get to the game. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You know, not, not a lot of players reach that milestone and she's been so integral, you know, to Spurs women. So Seriously, congratulations, Ash. Uh, But the game was marred by an early injury to Ellie Brazil, who was making her first start for the team in WSL play. Uh, We want to wish Ellie a a quick recovery. And we'll talk a little bit more about the injury situation at Spurs in a moment. But first, let's look at how the game actually played out. So Bunny Shaw scored a brace of goals on either side of halftime at the 41st and 47th minutes. And then Lauren Hemp completed City's scoring with a goal in the 76th minute. So Bunny Shaw has taken an early lead in the WSL Golden Boot race, and only one team has been able to shut her out so far this season. But do we think that Spurs defense should have done better on her goals? I think so. I mean, it's hard to really say wholeheartedly, yes, I think the defense should have done better because Bunny Shaw was knocking on our door all night. Uh, But on those two goals in particular, we know that we don't have anyone who can defend in the air. And so that one was kind of to be expected should have done better, but I'm not sure who we have, who could have done better. And the other one was just a mess. Um, I don't know what Angara James was doing there. She just took a second too long. Like at the time when I first watched it, I was thinking like, Oh, you know, we've had trouble getting open all night. She probably had no one to pass to. And then I watched it back and she had like three people to pass to and two players right on her and I don't know why she didn't get the ball out of her feet a little bit quicker and then I also thought like 
Bunny Shaw shot from pretty far out. You could ask a question whether Becky might have had a chance, but it was a really good shot. So unclear. Yeah, similar. Same problem, isn't it? We can't defend set pieces. We thought after the Liverpool game we were making an improvement in that area, but this game has proven corners are still something that we struggle with, uh, which is um, surely something that they need to, need to be working on, given we've established that. Again, I mean, I'd, I'd look at Becky as well in terms of distribution of the ball we saw against Arsenal when she distributed out to Evelina and didn't give her much chance. I think uh, James had a bit better chance to deal with something with that ball. But still, I mean, again, and again, just I think it was all over the team this week, a little bit trying, t- taking more time than we had, which kind of smacks of just not really being match ready against a side like Manchester City. And, and you can say what you like about Manchester City's start to the season. They're a class side and they are one of the best sides in the league. And you can't sit back and, and rest on your laurels against them. You've got to be at your best. And we just were not in those moments. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about our transitions out of defence and that they were so poor that they were putting a lot of extra pressure on defence. And so we were not able to clear the ball effectively. We weren't able to, when we intercepted the ball, carry it to the other end so that we weren't getting a lot of relief and the ball was bouncing back into the city box and the feet of someone like Um, Bunny Shaw but then also to Lauren Hemp in positions where we know that they're a threat so I think it wasn't just a back line it was the ways in which the whole team combined to move the ball forward or didn't combine to move the ball forward meant it was just so much harder than to defend I think going back to that set piece problem that we've had before and thinking about how to defend in the air I mean you have to also give Bunny Shaw um, credit here she was marked by Evelina but she ran in a direction so she kind of like cut off Ash who is also quite good in the air sometimes and was able to get onto the ball at the sort of blind side of both of them and you know you have to give credit to a player who is good at that for making a good run it was a really good run it was clever and she was able to get away from a defender doesn't mean to say that we can't do better but it also wasn't just that it was she wasn't just left unmarked it wasn't that there was nobody there we've had worse set piece defending snafus yeah, yeah it's interesting it was a really really clever run it was she basically ended up setting a pick effectively like without another player on ash and evelina and like that's the thing that is like questionable about our set pieces and our set piece coaching is like i remember playing lacrosse at age 15 and we had a plan for when we got pick set on us and so it's like you would think that like this is the kind of thing you can coach and like that kind of communication for like what to do when a player does a run that makes you run into your teammate and like we should have a plan for that I had a plan for that playing low level high school lacrosse so it's like what are we doing in the box but it was a great header it was it was really nice work from Bunny Shaw um and and I totally agree what you were saying about our progression patterns and like what happened after we like cleared the ball and retained the ball. It just seemed like we had no plan. I don't know if I'm like totally brain dead from watching like Conte on the men's side, but it just feels to me like we should have patterns to get out of those situations and not have players have to linger on the ball, trying to figure out what to do next. Like there should be more of a plan. It just felt like all of those moments where we created turnovers and then instantly they were right back at us, putting our defense under pressure. It was, 
was just, there was no plan. Yeah. And I think that's a big change from what we saw last season, especially against the top teams. Even when we didn't get the result we wanted, it at least felt like we were taking the game to them, that there was a plan and attack. Whereas today it was just that we were pretty much under the cosh defensively the whole time. I mean, uh, I, have, I have to say, I think the the fear that I had that we had the way that we played against Arsenal, which is what, how we sometimes play against these big sides, which is to completely sit back and just stay an hour and a half, we didn't do. So there was some attacking intent. We weren't just doing what we've done so often, saying, "Okay, we'll get to half time and hopefully we'll still be in it in that in that way that we have done in the past." There was movement into their half. We were we were trying to make some attacking moves in the first half. So I, I feel like it was an improvement from that perspective, i.e., the intent and the way we played. We weren't just saying we'll sit back and, and see how it goes. We were taking the game to them them to, to them a bit, but we just didn't do it effectively in terms of those plays and I don't know whether Ellie kind of have coming out of the game so early on made an impact in that but Jess was clearly not match fit she wasn't Mm. ready to go on at that point in the game she did not look like the Jess that we know and love I think they put on Ellie partly for um, pace reasons and Jess can bring that but she's clearly you know over 90 minutes when she wasn't fit wasn't going to do that so I think there's a lot to be said potentially for the, the fact that we put, we had to change the game plan early on and we were probably even even bringing Ellie in I think was probably a, a, a result of injuries to Nicola so not mm-hmm. necessarily how Rianne wanted to play and Ellie hasn't really had much in the way of minutes to get to know and she was actually injured looking like she was actually getting in the box challenging for the ball so doing the right thing and it was a real shame for her to go out at that point doing something that we were excited to see happening uh, so I think those kind of changes and the injuries impacted probably the way in which we played and the way in which we wanted to play but I don't think we can say that you know we we sat back in the way that we have and I, so I was pleased about that. I do agree that we were still in the game at halftime and it's not that we didn't have our chances I just think having that super early injury kind of threw the plan off and we just weren't looking as organized going forward is what I'm what I'm used to seeing. I guess the big positive of the game is that we were not worse in the second half than the first half. So there wasn't a drop off and I'm not being completely facetious. It's not that I'm saying we were terrible across the board. I think that we had moments and weirdly, like the last five minutes of the first half, we were pretty good. So after they'd scored, we were all of a sudden on it. And then after they scored their second goal, there was another period. But those periods, it wasn't that we were strong in the first half and then we dropped off. I think actually, again, the final few minutes of the whole game when Nicola was substituted on again, and it was back to more of probably what Rihanna had planned for the game, which was having either Nicola or Ellie, who are not interchangeable, but at least can substitute for some of what each other do up front. You could see what what the aim of the game was. And so I think I would second what Sean was saying there in that it wasn't the sit back and let them get us that we saw against Arsenal that was just utterly depressing. It was a different kind of bad. And it was a bad that was less perhaps of fault it was the result of some of those injuries it was the result of Ellie going off and not just being replaced by Jess and the difference in how they played but also it really seriously impacted people you could if you see your teammate get what is clearly a serious injury a teammate who has spoken before about how mentally difficult it was to cope with injury in the past then that's an upsetting thing to go through, irrespective of the fact that it makes you have to change your plan because you're now playing with somebody who plays differently to them. 
them. And you could see there felt like this kind of lull immediately after that for at least five minutes where people just seemed a bit space and a bit like they were getting back to grips with what was going on in the game. And the other thing is Manchester City did play well. You know, we aren't going to play Manchester City every game and them playing us at a time when just a couple of things were going wrong for us was clearly going to make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, it was truly so heartbreaking about Ellie. Um, I remember like, is not only did she talk about the mental side, she specifically said that the one thing she struggled with coming back from her last injury was like going into challenges, going up in the air, knowing she was going to have to come down and plant her foot. And that's exactly what happened. And like, it's just so awful to watch when someone knows they have a serious injury, but also knowing that they got it doing something that they were, they have been nervous about doing for a year. And yeah, just the other thing you said as well, the quality of Manchester City, like I know they had some drama preseason, but like I was looking through their squad, most of their players, except for one are 25 or younger. Most of them are closer to 20. And it's just like this laundry list of like the best young stars in the game and I was just like I kept when I was taking my match notes when I was watching it I just kept like looking at the name on the back of the shirt and then just like thinking through my Rolodex of names and being like oh Jesus Christ how do they have so much talent how do they have Bunny Shaw and Lauren Hemp and Dana and Mary Fowler Th- those are like some of those are substitutes as well and Caspare and it goes on and on and on and on It's unbelievable. I know they had some drama, but like, that's a good side. And like, as you said, having just a couple of things go wrong in the face of players like that, sometimes it does end up three nothing, even if there were positives in our play. Yeah, I mean, this is a team we were playing that we would have to be at our very best to get a result realistically. And to have those those early setbacks didn't help. And players like Bunny Shaw and Lauren Hemp, you know, any team is going to struggle to to hold them back. And just to go back to the defense topic for a minute, uh, something I think we might disagree on slightly. I thought Amy Turner had a pretty decent game. Uh, You know, she contained Lauren Hemp for almost the entire game up until her goal. And we even saw her, you know, trying to get some stuff started in attack as well. But I know we've talked all season long about how she's been fitting in as a new player in the back line. So I'm just curious, like, just to check in with where y'all are at with Amy Turner. Do we think she's going to be a long-term solution at right back? Are we going to see some changes when maybe Karis Harrop comes back and we do some changing in formation? Or is this a position where we might even have to start looking in the transfer market for some replacement? Well, I mean, it is Ash Neville's position. So there is always having our strikers fit enough that we can have Ash Neville playing at right back solution. Obviously, Ash is the sort of player who's flexible. She can play in different places and having her in front of Azmita Ale is actually got lots of advantages. So I'm not against that. I think I'm on the side of, I think that Amy had a pretty solid game. You know, she didn't manage to control Lauren Hemp at every moment and she was sometimes occasionally out of position, but I think Lauren Hemp's really good. It goes back to this thing is Lauren Hemp can find space on most players. I remember when we played last season in Manchester in the Conti Cup, Lauren Hemp found space around Ash, you know, she finds space because she has that capacity and change directions. She's also, because she's able 
able to take a shot from so many different positions. It's not safe to kind of sit off her. But at the same time, if you go towards her, she can get around you. And she, that Amy Turner did keep her quiet for the most part. And I also think that Amy Turner was able to go forward. We were laughing before about people um, not taking shots. Amy Turner takes shots and I'm all in favour of that. Um, she was the closest to scoring a goal probably of anyone. I don't know. We can debate who was the closest. Maybe one of the crosses that somebody didn't get onto was closer. But she at least did get a shot that the goalkeeper had to save before she was determined to be offside. I don't know. I mean, she's not a natural right back. She cuts inside more, but she also doesn't have the same support from Celine that Azmita has on the other side from Ash. Yeah, that's fair. I just felt like in this game, I was constantly watching our back four pushing up towards half and then and then watching, not to bring in another player who we're going to talk about in a minute, but watching City able to play out the back because Jess Naz was not pressing on one side and then playing a long ball over the top and Amy Turner getting caught flat-footed and then suddenly City have opportunities on the on the wing whether she was the person marking the ball before the final ball to the cross or the person marking to the the ball to the cross I just felt like I was constantly watching her struggle in this weirdly high line which is not really on her because we know she's not the fastest player and we know stuff like that's going to happen and like yeah a lot of the times like enough of our backline got back to make the challenge whether it was Amy or not so maybe I'm just saying I don't like her as a right back and I like her in general like I would love because it's true she did take shots she did so show some promise progressing the ball but I just wonder if that's better suited to like the sort of like loose center back in a back three better than a right back. So I just felt like I was watching her get beat all day. And then there was the goal. But, you know, Lauren Hemp is going to Lauren Hemp. So, you know. I mean, I do think it's interesting. The Karis question, obviously, she was warming up before the game with the team. So she's getting closer, which mm-hmm. is good news from our perspective. She, she's a great backup, I think, as in defence, probably more than starting player these days. It does strike me that she's not a pace player either. You know, she's, um, yeah. you know, if that's what you're looking for in your fullbacks, then, I mean, and Keris is, I mean, officially a centre-back as well, who can also play at left-back. So, uh, and, and generally does play at left-back for us. I've said before, I think Keris is, well, I mean, it's it's clear, Keris is coming towards the end of her career and she cannot play a lot of games. We saw a week, uh, where she played three games and in the third game the ball was just not doing what she was trying to tell it to because her legs didn't have it in them anymore um so um we love Keris and and she does a great job but ultimately we do need to start to think about um what happens when she can't play anymore um and and that position and we do need to think about those fullback positions and we just seem to have an awful lot of injuries in that in those midfield roles which means that Ash is having to push up is that something that Rianne wants to do if we had everybody fit? Would she, would she be looking at Ash in those positions? Um, and if not, then I think we've got, then it's that's we need to look at midfield rather than defence and bring Ash back. If it is a case that Rianne likes Ash pushing up, then we need to look at our fullbacks. But it's a question of where does Rianne see Ash fitting in, I think. and Or alternatively, what can we get in the market? Is it a midfielder or is it a, a fullback? And playing around that I think we definitely need to strengthen somewhere but it's kind of a question for Rianne in terms of where she sees Ash and what's available in the market 
as to exactly where she does that because we know Ash can play a role wherever she's put really. Yeah, it's a good question. It like made me think about like supposing we had more attacking midfielders fit, would we have seen a back four uh, with Ash and Ismita as the wing, the fullbacks? Because if not, it's clear that Rianne doesn't want them to do that in games against stronger sides. And if that's the case, then we need another fullback that's not Amy Turner. And maybe also not Karis because we can't rely on her to be fit. I think the only thing that, like, in terms of pace, they are both slow players. And I think Karis, to me, just has that little edge of, like, she's so smart about her positioning that she can cover for her pace really well. And maybe Amy will get that back. I think it's too early to say. And I think, you know, she's been playing out of position and stuff. But, yeah, I think, like, looking at the squad the way it is now, ideally I'd like an attacking midfielder and a fullback if possible. Yeah, I was going to save this question for later, but I feel like we just need to get it out of the way. Are we officially in an injury crisis? How did we get to this point? And what does that say about the club's investment or lack thereof in the team? Because to me, I feel like a lot of this could have been prevented if we'd been a little more proactive this summer in the transfer market. What do y'all think? So I just wrote a blog saying we're in an injury crisis. So I've got to be consistent and say we're in an injury. Well, I actually had a question mark on it, but I wasn't bothered writing it. If <laughs> I didn't think it was true. And I started actually, I wasn't even going to write anything about it. I was just writing myself a list of everybody's injuries. And when they, I thought they were coming back. And then I was just like, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, we have eight players out and we have a couple of players coming back slowly and we don't have a deep enough squad for that to be okay. We've had either five or six players on our bench for the last four games. One of those is a goalkeeper. One of those is Gracie Pierce. Gracie Pierce, as far as I know, is a very nice person. We talked about her last pod. She is a centre-back. You're not going to substitute in a centre-back unless there's a crisis or, you know, an injury in the back line. So basically we've got or three or four subs on our bench every game. In this last game, that included Jess, who has has not played a full game because she's been coming back from injury, included Chi, who has been out for more than six months after her drug ban and so is also coming back and isn't fully fit. We had Nicola, who obviously was on restricted minutes because otherwise she'd have started because Rianne has generally chosen her as the first choice above Ellie. And we had Cho who didn't come on, which suggests she might also have a little niggle because has often come on in games. And that was it. And that's a really, really thin bench. If you're playing a team like Manchester City who have nine players on their bench, all of whom, as Abby has eloquently you know, noted, are really amazing and would have probably started in Spurs lineup. And so, yeah, we are in an injury crisis. And I think it's also worth highlighting that there, that includes three serious injuries this season. We've had five games, if you include the Conti Cup. Three players have gone out for on you know long-term injuries. We don't know. Ros might be coming back, but she was the first to go out. We know that Kaya had an ACL, which means she's not back all season. And we now know Ellie has done something to her knee. We don't know what it is, but it's probably going to be months you know I don't it doesn't look to me like she's coming back before much before Easter maybe I'm wrong I hope I'm wrong but that also says something perhaps and this is where I don't have the expertise but perhaps about the way that we're preparing players and the style of play and obviously we love that our players tackle that they go in for the ball that they sometimes commit the odd foul but if we are suffering a lot of injuries and 
if it gets to a point where that's more than other teams, then there is something that the team needs to do and the club needs to do to think about what we can do to change what we're currently doing to prevent it. Injuries, I mean, particularly ACL injuries, we know are a problem throughout the women's game and it's not a problem specific to Spurs. Lots of clubs are getting those injuries. I do think if you look back at where, where we were at the beginning of the season in terms of what we were saying, in terms of, of our dealings in the transfer market, I think we were quite happy until Keris Harrop got injured and then we started to be a little bit worried about cover. And I think that kind of says a lot because I think actually the recruitment was good and the club have obviously gone for improving and getting in players who are going to improve the squad but they've done that at the expense of perhaps breadth of of players because we've only got a certain amount of money and we've only got you know certain options in the market so I think we have got an injury crisis and I think eight players being out is more than most teams would expect and I think you can't given given the playing size of most of the, and apart from Chelsea you look at the the squads um and maybe, you know, your Arsenal's and your cities who are looking at Champions League games, whether they're actually playing in the, in the competition this season or not anymore. The rest of the of the league have a similarly kind of sized squad. So I, I don't think, I think, you know, obviously, ideally, and we said this last season when we went after Christmas, we had a very small number of people on the bench, um, if, even fewer than we've got at the moment. We said, you know, this was a, a concern. I do feel like the club have been hit particularly badly and it wasn't, it isn't just with us, you know, I mean, because Rhea got injured on international duty. So, you know, it's not just playing at Spurs that they're getting injured, but obviously there may be something that they need to look at in the way that conditioning has been done. We've already mentioned that their team don't look as fit this season as they did last season, you know, so there's obviously been some changes and something's happening. Um, But I I, I think it's hard to be too critical of of the, the club, when you've got eight players out injured long term, that's just really unlucky, I think. And yes, we would hope that we would have cover for it. And we did, as I say, when Keris got injured, we were starting to go, oh, this might be tricky. And then we've gone on to get a couple more injuries. But it's difficult when you're working within the constraints of the WSL with the money that they've got with the squad sizes that you're allowed to have. You know, you're only allowed a set number of players. Uh, and we, it's not like we're, vastly under that yeah it's to me it's definitely an injury crisis it's way more than we would have expected it's just one after another it's so many right now just looking at the numbers if I could just caveat this by saying I'm about to engage in some light speculation I do not know what I'm talking about the three serious injuries we've had so far Roz, Kaya and Ellie were all these sort of like tackle collision injuries um and Roz and Kaya's were actually really similar, like coming in from behind an extended leg, I think. I don't remember if Roz got a yellow card, but Kaya did. Um, Roz's tackle certainly could have warranted a yellow card, I think. And it just makes me wonder, like, whether there's some sort of, like, stylistic thing about body positioning or, like, planting or tackling that, like, we're not doing. And, like, it's hard to say because, like, I'm not at Spurs. I assume professional teams, like, work on this stuff where you practice, like, landing on your foot every day. 
Um, like I know that's common in women's sports because of the prevalence of ACL injuries, but it just makes me wonder if there's something we're just not doing because that would be something that affects our players. Even if they go off on in- international duty and get injured, it's like just a pervasive form issue. Like there's some preventative stuff we could be doing that we're not. The other thing I'm I'm about to go galaxy brain here. The other thing that makes me think this is our issues defending set pieces and like body shape issues when receiving the ball is like we are not working on it. Okay, I actually don't know that. Sometimes it makes me wonder whether we're not working on these like minor little things that would like help with receiving the ball better and more safely and like tackling more safely. That said, I have absolutely no idea what's going on in Spurs I barely know what I'm talking about all I know is like just from like being a woman in sport for like most of my life where people talk about ACL and ACL prevention but I'm not a doctor I'm not a scientist I don't know (laughs) but those are my two cents of like light ACL speculation yeah well I I do think Sean's right to point out that Spurs have just had incredibly bad luck there's no way to get around that it's just unfortunate that it's kind of left us in this position where we don't have the options we would like, not only on the bench, but even just for starting lineups, like tactically, we're a little bit limited at the moment, as we talked about with, you know, where, where do you want Ash to be? Sometimes it's not where she would be best suited, but just where we need her at the moment. I mean, the optimistic part of me is thinking about well there are players who are coming back you know there are players who are on limited minutes who hopefully will be up to proper fitness fitness again it doesn't look like for example Nicola's injury is anything massive maybe Karis and Roz will be back relatively soon Uh, we don't even know what's happened to Ramona so maybe she hasn't got an injury maybe she's just got uh, you know family issue and she can come back and she's perfectly healthy that would be great. So there are things that could improve. But my pessimistic side is worried that we will have people having to play through minor niggles and play more minutes than they might otherwise, you know, we ideally have them playing and that that can exacerbate things because we know that if you are trying to protect, you know, one part of your body, you are often in the slightly more awkward position and other things happen. And so the last thing we want is people hobbling around the pitch, just kind of keeping on going because there aren't enough people there. Slightly feel like that, I have to say, by the end of Saturday, there were definitely at least a few people who did not look fully match fit still on the pitch. Well, and that brings me on perfectly to talk about Jessica Naz. You know, she's a player that I think all of us would say is is one of our favorites to watch on the team normally and has shown a lot of promise. But ideally, you would not have wanted her to play what ended up being basically a full 90 in this match because she was forced to come on for Ellie in the fifth minute. To me, it seems like she is holding something back in her game right now, probably because of her injury concern to start this season, because we saw her a lot of times just not meeting a pass when you would expect her to be meeting it, not making the runs we expect her to make. So what did, what did y'all think about her performance overall? Well, this is what we see from Jess when she comes back from injury is, is she's not full throttle. Um, and we know with Jess that she needs to be full throttle for us to get the full experience. You know, when she goes in and makes those tackles, when she's confident, when she's playing well, she's making those tackles, she's going in and, making those runs and she's releasing the ball at the right time and, and, and all of those kind of things, making the right decisions. 
and that's a it's a bit about confidence both in you know experience and and in physical confidence in your body um and we've seen before it, it can take a while um i mean hopefully nearly 90 minutes means she's got some more time in the tank and that will be of benefit in games going forward um but she certainly wasn't the player that we we've seen at her best and we were we were starting to see earlier on this season but then obviously she's got a bit of a nickel and and she has gone a bit more um tentative again in her play uh and as i said at the beginning you know just not the player that we're used to uh, um and we're hoping she'll be she'll be back soon and can find that confidence again yeah i mean she was also just playing in a position that was really didn't suit her she isn't a natural number 9 she was replacing Ellie, who is, as we said before, you know, she was even in the first minute of the game, pressing, charging down, trying to get the ball, running at the, you know, running for the ball, but also replacing Nicola, who is the sort of person who's been playing in that position in other games, who not only does that pressing work, but also holds the ball up and brings other people in. And that just isn't Jess's game. And so it really felt like she was somebody who both lacked match fitness and then was put into a position that she didn't know what to do in. And I know that she has played as our sort of main striker before, but more often she's played on the wing. And you could hear Rianne just constantly shouting, Jess, Jess, over there, Jess, go out there, Jess. It felt like this constant call on Jess to run to you know to come back if she was needed in defense to press if she was needed to go forward and Jess just being at least three paces behind you know Jess is always a player who is sometimes a bit you know slow slow quick so she isn't necessarily a single speed player she's not Evelina she doesn't like Evelina is constantly running and there was this moment where you could see the difference between them where Jess sort of let the ball go past her and Evelina was charging from somewhere you didn't even know where on to to try and track it down but that said Jess is the sort of player who when the ball comes near her will suddenly get faster and she will be on the ball she will be charging people down and she did do that in moments um but there were other times when especially I think we can get onto this but her connection with Drew which there have been games when it's been good this game it seemed like both of them were constantly passing to each other in places where they weren't like they were both expecting each other to be at least you know a yard ahead mm-hmm. of where they were and neither of them was running for the ball and it was just you know endlessly exasperating yeah i feel like you guys covered pretty much what i felt and thought watching Jess's performance Um, up until the last five minutes of the game, five or 10 minutes after Nicola and Tioma came on. um, And that was actually really interesting to me because I saw two things, uh, one of them good, one of them bad. Um, Almost immediately Nicola and Jess like exchanged some, some pretty loud seeming words and gestures. And then after that, Jess was like pressing in all the right patterns. And like, it almost felt like we had an extra person on the field that we'd been missing the whole game. I thought that was really interesting to watch. And like, it was the only time all game where I felt like I understood what the plan was. Um, so yeah, like it hadn't occurred to me that they were basically asking Jess to play out of position as a number nine. So I think that like, that explains away a lot of the frustrations I had with her in that game. 
Uh, the other thing I did see is like the same thing we always see with Jess, where like sometimes she struggles with her decision making at the end. There was this one moment around the 90th minute where like we had this beautiful sequence of play, really promising layoff from Chioma to get across into the box and it ultimately made its way to Jess and she took probably like five touches like in City's box and ended up not getting a shot off she could have taken a shot on touches two through four and I was just kind of like sitting there like head in my hands going like oh my god shoot like what are you doing um but that really is like that's nothing new like we we know that one of the biggest things that she needs to add to her game is that that final ball decision making so it really just felt like in the last five or ten minutes after Nicola came on we did get more of the real Jess experience and I think that's what I will be focusing on going forward due to the aforementioned caveats I think also she doesn't like a crowded box, does she? She's not the player who she's not going to like pick up the ball surrounded by people and shoot. She likes going one-on-one. She likes going, yeah. you know, she, she loves like being rocket of goal. a shot. You can't yeah. do a rocket in a crowded box. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, she also, there was a couple of, there was that cross, wasn't there, that where Ash was running in on goal and Jess just ballooned it over her when if she'd have played it along the grounds. I mean, it might have been a goal, it might not have been, but it was that was about as clo- a good a chance as we had. You know, credit to Jess, she was in the right place to cross, but the cross as wasn't the right cross. Yeah, well, hopefully she can get fit again and then start to, like, play herself back into some confidence and work on that final decision-making and be the player that we all believe that she can be. Yeah, there were certainly times, weren't there, where she was running for too long with the ball and needed to release it earlier. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's all about, you know, and we've got to remember, and I'm going to come back to this, um, from some other things, but this is only match three of the season from the league's perspective, match four, if you count Conti Cup. Oh my God, so, is that really true? I felt like it was like match 10. No, no, I think it's match four. <laughs> it's, I think pretty sure it's match four of the league match. Cause we've lost, we've won two and lost two in the league. That's right. Mm-hmm. so but it's yeah. still early days yeah it's it's yeah. still Point very stands. early so, <laughs> yeah. you know the, a lot of the players are still kind of I'm, I mean I think this is a big part of our problem just our starting 11 hasn't been consistent and they haven't been able to to kind of find that form together that you would hope they would be finding at this point in the season and you know I, um we know Jess can do better and we know if she has the opportunity and I think you know she's still young as well and, and she's had a lot time out with injuries she's one of those players so fingers crossed she can actually keep away from injuries for the rest of the season and and have a good you know three quarters of the season where she's um getting match time yeah and we have to remember that there's just a lot of new players in the starting 11 which you know has been flexing from game to game anyway but these are players that Jess hasn't played with as often and so it's just going to take time for them to all build up those relationships. And uh, another player who obviously had not played in quite some time because of her suspension uh, was Chioma Ubogagu. She got to make a, a little brief cameo at the end along with Nicola. Uh, so did she leave an impression on y'all? Are you excited to see more of her in the coming games? Well, she's um, she's one of those players that never really kind of, uh, she was just, I think, starting to make an impact on the team when she had to leave for um at the time, unknown reasons, but obviously now known reasons. Um, and so I think it's going to take her a while to kind of 
to find her way back in, given that she hadn't really found her feet in the league quite properly before she went. She was a, she's a promising player. She um, makes the right runs a lot of the time, but a little bit of a Lucas Mora in the running into cul-de-sacs a little bit. Um, uh, and so it's the, that that last ball that was hasn't quite been right from her. But um, I mean, great pace and you know obviously great experience. So hopefully with a little bit more game time which is I feel like what we're saying for everybody right now, um, she will become a really important player for us. I mean, I think as Abby was saying before, in that last five minutes of the game, when both Chi came on, but also Nikki, it was better. But it's hard to attribute that to Chi because I think that the big change was that we had Nikki up front and then we had both Chi and Jess on the wings and that made more sense. And what was really what I was really noticing was that the change that was impacted by Nicola's addition. And so I think that what she was doing got slightly lost in, you know, how the fact that we were better. And so, you know, credit to her for being part of that. But it's hard to tell what she's going to. It's good just to have another body. For sure. I so I rewatched the game uh, or parts of it, at least. And the I did make an effort to pay specific attention to what she was doing when in her cameo. Um, a lot of it, like she did, I felt like she covered a lot of ground. Like I remember seeing her on the left side back by our goal and then all the way up on the right side by city's goal. So a lot of running. She just, you could tell she was thrilled to be out there. Yeah. She was making good run attacking runs. And then like, at least getting back to make challenges, if not successfully making them. Um, but yeah, like three nothing game and like last 10 minutes, like it's not the best um, way to get a sense for what a player is going to offer. So if I had to summarize it, I would summarize it as ran around lots and had one good layoff to put Evelina, I think, in for a cross. And it was a really good cross and it was a really good sequence. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, not too much to take away, but that's what I noticed. Well, it's good good to think that she's uh, mindful of her defensive duties this time around because that was the one sort of uh, concern I had about her last season uh, was that she could have some defensive vulnerabilities at time. Well, is, is there anyone else that you specifically want to mention for their performance? I don't feel like anyone did particularly badly with the exception of maybe Jess for, you know, the obvious caveats, but was there anyone that you want to praise? So I guess my good and bad is all in the midfield. So I think that Evelina and Angarad, despite Angarad's defensive glitch for one of the goals, most of the times that Spurs were getting forward, it came from the two of them. I mean, there was also obviously Azzy and Ash on the wing sometimes and continues to do a good well job. But I think that Evelina and Angarad were doing stellar work in the defensive midfield. They were, you could see them intercepting the ball. They were pushing it forward. They were sometimes making incisive passes. Um, Unfortunately, those passes tended to be two, either Drew or Jess. And I just want to add Drew to the um, people who, and I sort of mentioned it before, but I think this was, on oh, last week I was all, I was on the Drew bandwagon. I'm off that bandwagon again. She's obviously going to be one of those players who is going to be, you know, frustrating because she still, there were still moments where she was great, but there were so many times in this game where she was 
like Jess, not pressing where she was, I felt like she was distracted almost, that she didn't have the energy or wasn't, wasn't up for it. And so, yeah, she was a player that I wasn't enjoying watching. I was surprised that Cho, she wasn't substituted for Cho at some point. And that's why I'm wondering if Cho herself had some injuries and there was a reason she didn't come on. Yeah, I think like, I don't know why for me, it was like a lot of players had like really split performances between the first half and the second half. I don't think like we as a team were like for me actively bad in the first half, but nobody had like standout bad performances kind of, except for a few exceptions that we've already discussed. I think the thing that I noticed watching Drew is that she seemed to be the only player who wasn't panicking, but that didn't mean it was good because she wasn't really on the same wavelength as anyone else. And like, I actually think maybe it would have been better if she had been panicking. Um, So that was like a weird one for me to puzzle out. I was like, it's good, but it's not right. And then, yeah, um, I remember thinking early on in the second half, I was like, oh, like Evelina is back. She woke up. Like, I felt like she was fine in the first half. I just didn't really notice her. But I felt like she had a really good second half. And similar for Ismita, I thought that like, I didn't really notice her in this game, which I think was like a good thing. Um, I think she was playing like pretty well. I think the last thing I wanted to mention, I think is that I really liked the ideas Celine was having and I really liked the energy she brought, but she was getting pushed all over the place. And it just feels like she doesn't have the strength to do a lot of the things that she would like to do yet. And I think that led to some of the disconnect in our attack. And it obviously wasn't just her, just her. I felt like she drew Ash and Jess were playing for entirely separate games, some of which were good, some of which were less good, but they were four entirely separate games. And that is like, it was not like a cohesive attack. And I think the individual performances were a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, I think oh, you mentioned this meter, right? I, I, I remember saying in the first half, I didn't think she was having a great game. I th- thought she was losing the ball a bit and um, and not not making the challenges. Um, whereas the second half, mm. performance notably improved, and there were things that she was doing well again. Uh, so I agree with you on on that on that front. Um, and I think just having a you know when you're talking about the attack, we had three players who probably haven't actually played together really in attack, and and you're going to get that situation. Three yeah. players, two of whom aren't traditionally attack necessary in those in those roles um and who haven't played together so it's not really surprising you're not getting a cohesive kind of attack from yeah. them because they're just not used to playing together even if they're used to playing in those positions so I think it was a lot to ask against a quality side um for them to be doing that and we we know that attack is where we we've been weak for season upon season and that is where we've struggled and we've just started to see some development with that with Celine and Nikki playing together and things and we lost that early on in in the season with this game not being able to play that off they'd started to look a bit better so I think it's, it's it was a tough game to have at this point in the season. Yeah, I agree that Azmita had a much better second half. She was a, a standout for me in that half and I think it's smart to call out, you know, the physicality because overall, I think against the city team, we were just getting, you know, losing those physical battles all across the pitch. So that's something that the team as a whole needs to be cognizant of. Could have used Nicola. Yeah. Well, honestly, yeah. (laughs) And it, I do think your observation about her calling out Jess 
as soon as she came on was very interesting because, you know, she's a young player, but if she's already sort of taking on some of that leadership responsibility, that's really awesome to see. Related to you talking about what Nicola was doing, it was the case that before Nicola came on, there didn't seem to be anybody who was triggering the press. Mm -hmm. So you didn't know who was the person who was making the decision. And so it always seemed like people were half making the decision to half press. And we know that half pressing doesn't work. And because, you know, it was very uneven. And Nicola seemed to be that once she was on the pitch saying, you know, making that decision, she was pushing forward. She was the one who was making the choice and leading it. And that there was just that lack of leadership before, wasn't there? Yeah, it's so I just want to use this opportunity to call out another Nicola positive and introduce some positivity into the things I'm saying is like, I really didn't know whether she was going to be able to press when she came here. Like, I don't remember seeing her pressing very much um, in the clips we had of her on her old sides. And that's been something that I've been really happy about since preseason is she she seems to be like a pretty good presser and like be able to be that pressing trigger and organize the team from the front, which is like, you know, she's obviously not going to be a Rachel Williams at this point in her career, but it's, it's good to see that we have somebody who like at least can do some of that. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned Rachel Williams because after this game, you know, one of my prevailing thoughts was, man, I really miss her, but Nothing we can do about that now. Uh, So before we get off the game, I just wanted to ask Rachel and Sean if there was anything that stood out about the match day experience. You know, this was our second game at the new home ground and it was also the Rainbow Laces game, right? So how did that go? Yeah, that was good. I think the club, um, I mean, obviously Rainbow Laces is not something that the WSL require people to include, but obviously um, more and more teams are, which is good. Um, A lot of the players were wearing. uh, the proud Lily White's badges pre-game, and all the coaching staff had their proud Lily White's badges. Didn't see any laces, but then a lot of the players don't like the laces in their in their boots. Um, um, and um, because Sky were there and were focusing on the rainbow laces, we got to put our flags in much better positions this time <laughs> to be able to see. And if you were watching any of the coverage, you won't have missed our flags. Check out uh, coming games because we've got a couple more flags coming. Um, so we're hoping to get lots of those flags but so from a rainbow laces perspective it was a it was a good game I think and uh, just a shame that usually Spurs turn it on for the rainbow laces games and neither team did this weekend um more generally in the stadium I think it was too too soon to be um uh for anything really much to have changed um it was only a week after the last game but I did notice the general manager Alex was around the place chatting to fans having his ear chewed off at one point by one of the season ticket holder mums who was not happy that her children couldn't get as close to the players as she would have liked, although actually she they did get pretty close, but they have to wait a while. Um, so um, good to see that they're engaging with the play with the fans and things. Um, and I know some fans were a bit unhappy that the players didn't kind of um, gesture to with the entire fan base as they were coming off. They only seemed to come to one side, but I think partly that was because one side was fairly heavily Man City. And also when you've just lost 3-0, I think it's fairly impressive that players make any effort to talk to people at all, really. Most most people in that mood would not be wanting to talk to anybody, I don't think. So it is, it is, and it is a 
it's a difficult thing. Something that we've come to expect in the women's game is that we get to talk to the players afterwards. But if the game grows like we want it to grow, then that's not going to be possible. Um, and it's so we're at that kind of middle ground of, of contention of that at the moment. We're not at the point yet where it's just unfeasible for them to to be making contact with everybody in some way, shape or form. But we are at the point where it's very difficult for them to do that. Uh, and fans maybe have to be aware of that, that that is going to be changing um, if the game grows in the way that we're hoping it will. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're listening, they're, they're learning what's going on and that, you know, things will be changing. But um, also the one of the other stands, the opposite stand was open and had a few people in it. So although the attendance was lower, than it was the previous week. There were people in both stands, which I think was quite nice. And also with TV cameras and things meant hopefully that it looked like it wasn't a completely empty stadium. So yeah, I don't have a lot to add to what Sean was saying, but you definitely could see that the players were not in the mood to be chitty chatty with fans after the game. They were much slower to come back and you could tell it hurt. You know, they had a very long huddle after the game before they came and talked to fans. And so, again, it's just that thing, isn't it? Like, you know, women football players are expected to be cheerful and nice, even when they've lost in a way that male football players aren't. Mostly they can go and hide in the dressing room with the captain required to do a very quick interview. Mm -hmm. Um just again, it's an extra sort of burden on female players is that they are asked to do this kind of emotion management and be cheery and nice to children at a time when they might be really upset and angry. Yeah. Well, and it's not just that there was a loss. There was also, you know, Ellie's injury, I'm sure was weighing pretty heavily on all of them at that point. So exactly. And she did come. One thing we did see in the stadium is she did come out afterwards she had Mm. her legs strapped and she was on crutches and then later saw her getting driven away in a car by her mum so um Mm. she was there I mean it was good to see her at least on one I was gonna say on two feet but on one foot and a two crutches so she at least you know I don't know if that was a good sign or or it just meant that you know we're still wait and see but it was good that she was up and about I guess it probably helped a little bit for everybody's mood Yeah, I'm sure. Well, let's quickly just go through the other results across the league. So we had Aston Villa lost 1-0 to Everton and Liverpool lost 2-0 to Arsenal. Leicester lost 1-0 to Manchester United. West Ham beat Reading 3-2 and Brighton lost 2-0 to Chelsea. So the things that I think were notable from this match week were that there were clean sheets in all but one match across the league, uh, which we hadn't really seen in previous match weeks. And all of the away teams won except for Reading. And they very nearly made a comeback to grab a point in that five-goal thriller. Um, and still no draws in the league. So Spurs are now in eighth place, having dropped down on goal difference now that City are also on six points. And Everton and West Ham, I think, were probably the biggest winners of the weekend because they both moved up to nine points. And Reading and Leicester still have zero points. So did anything else stand out to y'all about the weekend's fixtures? Well, the Aston Villa result, I think, was interesting. I think after last week's um, game where there were clearly kind of divisions within the camp, it was a, a big game for them coming back to see how that happened. And they clearly... They didn't handle it too well. So um, it's a big test for us. But, you know, we were not expecting them to be as good as they have been 
probably before the season started. But obviously now two games without great results and things are starting maybe to unravel a little bit for Villa at the moment. We'll wait and see what happens in the next couple of games. But that's a really interesting one, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, looking like Brighton and Reading are going to be alongside Leicester, the, t- the teams that are struggling this season. Yeah, I know Leicester doesn't have a point yet, but that that uh, win against them is sure looking better and better every week, huh? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I think that they, I think that whether or not Aston Villa are struggling may also depend on how we see Everton. Everton have been consistently playing pretty well, even in the game where they've lost, and so. Yeah, given that we haven't played any of those teams, I think it's a bit of a wait and see on Aston Villa, Everton and West Ham, who seem like the sort of three teams who are fighting with us to be best of the rest, which we can come on to a bit, I think we're going to talk about. But I think the other thing, I mean, I have to say, I'm I'm so excited about the lack of draws. I hope, I'm wondering how many weeks we're going to go. I feel like the statistical <laughs> likelihood of having no draws across four weeks of six games is, you know, pretty low. So I'm, that's interesting. I don't know if there's something about the league at the moment that is making it less likely that people get to a draw, but it is interesting. Yeah, the one that was interesting to me and the only one that I got to catch just a little bit of um, was the end of the West Ham Reading game. And, you know, West Ham have been playing really well, but not having very good second halves, I think is the reputation they're starting to get. Uh, So they nearly let that that huge lead uh, lose out to Reading. So that'll be something to keep an eye on when we play them, you know, making sure that we do put in a full 90 performance um, because they've they've been vulnerable in second halves. So uh, some of the WSL teams are going to have Conti Cup fixtures midweek. Uh, Spurs are not going to be playing because we are in one of the four team groups. So we get an off midweek, which is nice. Spurs are back on the road for the next game, which is going to be at Brighton. And at a much more reasonable kickoff time, which I am very happy about. So Brighton have started the season off with three losses to top three teams, and they have a single win against Reading. Uh, but they also had a loss to a championship side, Birmingham City, in the Conti Cup. So not having the best start to the season, how do we think that this one is going to play out? And are there any Brighton players that you think our listeners should keep an eye on? Well, I think it's a big game for us. I think we need to... Uh... If you look at the season so so far, it's gone pretty much to plan, I think, in terms of points. Um, and we're grateful that maybe that Man United game hasn't happened. Um, so, we, you know, one, two, lost two. We would have been saying the two, two games that we've lost would be games that we'd be expecting to lose, in all honesty, hoping to get something more from, but not expecting to. Um, so this is a big game for us. And Brighton have not had a good start to the season. They've lost their biggest players over the um, summer and haven't really replaced them. So Brighton's a difficult place to go, has always been a difficult place to go. They have always been a team that have been a little bit inconsistent and last season beat Chelsea, but then finished below us in the league. So, you know, always inconsistent. And this season, I think they are struggling. Uh, So we need to get three points. There's no way about it. And I'd like to see us scoring some goals uh, and getting back to winning ways um and i don't i don't see that we shouldn't be able to do that i i don't you know it was a difficult game against city but um man but brighton no disrespect to a different prospect 
And if we can't get three points at Brighton this season, then we may be reevaluating our, our pre-season predictions. Yeah, I think we'll get the three points. I would hope so. I think Brighton are like a leaky enough side that I feel like we should be good despite our tagging injuries. Um, I could see a nice like 2-1 happening. Um, I think the players for me to watch out for on Brighton, there's a few of them. It's really just one side of their squad that that is like notable to me. Um, there's Poppy Pattinson, who I was hoping we'd sign. She didn't have a great season last year, but she's definitely a promising player. And so I'll be watching out for her. Um, and of course, Beatrice Sari is now on Brighton and she's a really good player. I don't know how her season's been going, but I know that she's one to be careful of. Um, and then they have Elizabeth Turland up top, who I, again, like I'm familiar with her, but I don't know how she's been doing this year. So I was kind of hoping that this game would be the game where I like get to see those three and like assess whether I still think their players worth watching. Um, but they're all on the same side of the pitch. So I feel like if we just shut them down, we should be fine, <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah, I mean, last season, Brighton was one of those teams that had that played very differently on different games. So they would have good games where they competed. I think they beat Chelsea, didn't they, one game? But they have, like, really strong games. And then they had other games where they collapsed, which they did against us, which was quite fun. And that was our highest scoring game of the season. So they ha- they are a team that is can get it together but in the past has also had those moments of collapse and it's not clear that they're different this season so far they have had several big losses um because they have also played good teams but we've had some good big losses which you know at this point in the season more so than we had last season so I'm hoping that it's the place where we find our mojo again I'm if Nikki's back in the team I am I'm gonna go th- Three nil. I'm going to be super optimistic. Yeah, I need score predictions from everyone else too. I'll I'll go with a two nil personally. Yeah, no, I think I was going to go with two nil. Brighton have been taking a lot of shots but not scoring a lot of goals. I think so. Um, hopefully, we can keep a clean sheet. But we've not been scoring very many, so I think two would be uh, good for us the way we're going at the moment. Uh, I think two one. As I said, I think like agreeing with the two and I just feel like I'm just looking at Elizabeth Turland's numbers over on my side screen and it's like she's put up a lot of xg not to have scored yet um like she should have a goal or two so I'm just worried that it'll come against us um but yeah two one yeah I was gonna go two one and then I was like oh that's really boring you've got to (laughs) well it would be nice to see a clean sheet for the sake of our goal difference, which is already a little scary. Um, but let's wrap things up with just a few listener questions. So thank you to everybody who sent one in. Uh, this first one from Johannes, I'm going to paraphrase just a little bit. Uh, so he asked us, Rianne spoke of a definitely improved performance and reporters have said that the scoreline did not reflect how close the game actually was. Do you agree? And this is obviously referencing the Man City game. I both agree and disagree. So I think that the scoreline did reflect how close the how, what the game was. I think that we lost and it was a 3-0 game. But I also agree with Rianne that 
we did play things, we did do things better, some things. And that's what we already talked about around, took it to them more aggressively. We didn't drop off at the same amount in the second half. There was this sort of energy to come back. So there were things that were improved and the consistency across the whole game was up. But it definitely was a 3-0 game. We were definitely three goals worse than Manchester City. And we only a couple of times looked anywhere like we were going to score. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, the one thing I would add is like, I keep going on this little loop in my head where I'm like, oh, but like we contained so much better. And like the squad was like, you know, doing more things that they should be doing and getting closer to what the Spurs team should be. But the fact of the matter is Manchester City still had three nothing of way better players than us. And like that to me is just like, are we really out here sitting like like hoping that our team is going to get to like two nil level against Manchester City? Like this is it's it is like I get what those comments are saying. Like we played better. The scoreline didn't reflect it, but, but it did. They're just a better side. And like, we are getting closer to what we can be with the squad, which is like less than we thought. So like, while those comments are true, like I'm not super positive about them. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, the, the three goals were very good goals. Uh, I didn't feel like we felt completely overplayed and overrun by them. uh, at all so in some ways 3-0 felt a little bit harsh to me um they they but they just were three very good goals by a very good side um who've got players who can score for fun um uh i i think possibly you know Rian is very is keen to be positive in public and w- would have been very much thinking about the injuries that had happened and the the factors affecting the game from the perspective of bringing in players who she wouldn't necessarily have thought at the beginning of the week she was going to be playing, um, trying to bolster the uh, confidence of the squad and things. Uh, I think we are getting better. I think we are improving, but the injuries are causing us problems. And I think, as I say, it's still early days. It's still where we'd expect to be at this point in the season based on the games we've played the games that are going to matter uh, in big time are the games coming up, the Brighton game, the West Ham game, the Aston Villa game, those teams that, as Rachel have said, are the teams who look like they're going to be challenging us for the position that we want. Those are going to be the big games that are going to test us and also some other games in there that we need to make sure that we're winning the Brighton game, um, you know, the the Leicester at home and all those kind of games. Though, you know, we, we kind of have to say with those top four games, a little bit we'd like to get some points but we have to rely on getting points elsewhere yeah I think it's it's tough to say that we had a good performance when you lose 3-0 but I do think it was a fair result in the sense that you look at Man City's squad and they've got players who are at the top of their game you know regular starters for their national teams and we still have quite a few players who are you know, developing and our young, young talents who are very promising, but not, you know, at the top level just yet. So, you know, I think we held our own for, for large stretches of the game, but there was no getting past the, uh, the gap in quality between the two sides. So these last two questions kind of go together. So I'll, I'll just lump them in together as well. Um, 
Johannes asked us, which is more likely bottom half gloom, relegation battle, or best of the rest? And kind of going along with that, Sean asked if we are already going to be revising our preseason predictions. I think not yet is my answer. I don't think we've had enough games for that that to be the case. I think we've still got every chance of being best of being in amongst, if not the best of the rest, then competing with those teams. They're going to be different teams than we thought they were, maybe. Um, Brighton and Reading are not going to be those teams. It is going to be Aston Villa and West Ham and Everton this season, probably. Um, but I don't think we've had enough games to be able to be revising, um, for me anyway, but revising my prediction. As we still haven't played those key games that are going to make that difference. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think I said fifth, not fourth, uh, for my preseason prediction. I think, like, the only thing I would revise is I thought there was a chance we could compete for fourth, like a small, small chance, but still a chance. And now I think there's no chance. I think we still look pretty good for fifth. It hasn't been a lot of games, but I haven't seen enough consistency from any of the other teams Sean just mentioned to be wildly concerned about us coming in fifth. I think that's still where we should be aiming. I think we are at a low point right now. And so things will only go up from here. Um, And I think there's a lot to look forward to and like a lot of good things we can see coming down the pipeline. So I'm not revising my prediction of fifth. Uh, And along with that, I still think that best of the rest is most likely um, about um, between that bottom half gloom and relegation battle. I just I couldn't even remember what I'd said so I just went to look and see what I said on the blog and I specific what I wrote was fifth but I'm crossing my fingers man that Man City self-combust and we get fourth but also fearing that Everton or Villa suddenly get their shit together and it's sixth or worse so I feel like I'm still exactly on those um predictions although my expectation of Man City self-combusting has gone down um so I think that I think it seems reasonable. I mean, the problem with the WSL is, of course, like if you get worse than six, you are already bottom of the bottom half. So the the gap between best of the rest and bottom half is quite slim. I do think it's probably one of those two teams still rather than West Ham that is the most likely to push us down. But I don't know, as, as Sean says, if you all said it's too early and we don't know, We've still got Kit's glorious return in January. I'm, I'm when you, I'm, we're going to have a happy January. It's going to be great. That's when it's going to be the opposite of last year where we started really strong and then we had that January where people were getting injured. I'm hoping for this season where we like January is when everyone comes back from injury and we do great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, personnel-wise, it couldn't get much worse at the moment. So you can look at it that way. <laughs> but yeah. I agree. I don't think it's time to be hitting the panic button just yet. Because if you do look at the results we've had so far, it's not anything unexpected. I think we're still on track with where we would have expected to be. And, you know, I'm taking a look at our fixture schedule for the next, you know, couple of months. We do have a tough game against Chelsea at Chelsea coming up in November. Um, But otherwise, all the way up through February, we have very winnable games. Um, So if we can sort of weather this period, where we do have, you know, a thin squad and at least pick up points against the teams that we are expected to win against, I think we'll be okay. And, you know, hopefully, like Rachel said, we're going to, you know, peak a little later in the season this year. Which is like what we wanted, right? Like, 
obviously wouldn't have wanted to be so low at this point in the season in terms of like injuries, but we, we definitely did not want to repeat the, like the sort of pathetic trail off of last season again. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll be crossing my fingers for that one as well. I think it's easy to look at some of these like heavy defeats we've suffered and like the drop-offs in the second half um and worry that like it's a pattern that we've fallen off but I really think it's more indicative of something we've spoken about on the pod before which is that it is way easier for teams like Arsenal City Chelsea and United to improve their squads they only need to sign like three players and they've improved their squad we're not at that point yet we need to keep signing like seven to 10 players a year and then not even improving that much. And so I think the heavy defeats, like they're obviously symptomatic of like the injury issues we are having and the fact that our thought squad is thin, but it's also that these teams that were already really good have gotten that much better and have gotten their transfer windows exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so that explains the top four of which we've faced two now. And it doesn't have any impact on the teams, the other teams that are kind of hanging around mid table competing for best of the rest. I see them as having equally difficult times improving and making believe as we have. I talk about Everton last season all the time and I'll do it again. They signed so many players and put in so much money and we're like talking up their chances of getting champions league. And then they finished 11th. And so we're just in a tougher position. And I think with these specific games we've had so far, it, it can feel like we should be considering bottom table and like, you know, maybe we're in contention for relegation. I don't know. We got beat pretty bad, but like, I don't think so. I think that we've just played some really good teams and the WSL is a difficult league. And actually it's really good in a way that we played those teams that might have beaten us anyway when we were really weak because true you know if we're gonna lose you know okay yes it does affect our goal difference but at the end of the day it's probably better to have Nicola strong and ready to play against Brighton so that we can actually get a result there than to you know use her for half a game against Man City where she's out of sorts or whatever so I I can see there are you know there's a you know, golden, was it golden lining or whatever it's called? Silver lining. Silver lining. Yes. Silver lining. I want a golden lining. I don't want those silver linings. I want a better kind of lining. So you're a yeah. warm per- a color person, not a cool color person then, I take it. Well, I think we, we all agree then that we're not anywhere close to a relegation battle or bottom half scenario at the moment, you know, still solidly best of the rest. So if, if that's where we're going to be at this, at this point in the season, I'm okay with that for now. Well, thank you guys for listening to our recap of the Manchester city game. And we'll be back next week to talk about the Brighton match. You can find the podcast on Twitter at in 17 women, as well as each of us individually. Rachel is at Spurs women blog. Sean is at Sean, Sean underscore Wallace. And Abby is at Abby Rose meow. And I am at CG Stefco. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your listening platform of choice and feel free to share the pod with a Spurs loving friend. Come on, you Spurs.